I confess. I couldn't wait. I had to get myself off before bedpost confession. This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please check out scarletine.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for downloading the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin, Texas-based monthly reading and performance series about sex, sensuality, and the steamy side of life. Between performers, we ask audience members to anonymously submit anything worthy of a confession, which is then read aloud by one of our producers. Bedpost Confessions celebrated its one-year anniversary this past September. As a part of the celebration, each of the four Bedpost producers read their work, and performers from the past year read confessions from the audience. This podcast episode will feature the performance of Rosie Q, recorded at the anniversary show on September 8th, 2011. Here is Rosie. So um, I do usually write um, fiction, and, and uh, there's, a, there's sort of some fiction in this, but it's, it's really more of what I did on my summer vacation. <laughs> and what I did on my summer vacation was I got to spend some time with my rather eccentric friend, Alan, um, he, came to my, he came to the beach house that I had rented with my family and uh, visited us. And he brought this incredibly packed automobile. He started unloading and just didn't stop. Um, he got out about 30 different musical instruments um, and then uh, a record player, a stack of records, not one but two film projectors, you know, the kind with reels on them, and also his collection of silent films. Um, so after we played with the musical instruments for a while, we set up the dining room of the house as a little movie theater, and he showed us some of his silent films, um, and some of them he accompanied live on his synthesizer, and others he... Um, played old-timey music on his record player. Um, it, it was a very old-fashioned entertainment sort of evening, very 20th century. Um, and uh, after the kids and my grandmother um, went to bed, um, he told us that he had brought something special, really just knowing that I'm always interested in all things um, sexual. He had brought something from his top secret collection of early cinematic pornography. So um, I got to look at my notes here. Um, this, the particular film that he had brought was a real rarity, and he had gotten it online. Um, all he really knew about it was that uh, it had claimed to be part of the collection of Colin McKenzie, the great New Zealand filmmaker. Um, and film pioneer. Um, some film buffs in the audience may be familiar with that name. Um, it's, there's no reason to think that it was made by Colin McKenzie, but it, it, it's from his collection. And um, obviously, from watching it, it was from the 20s, from the costumes and so on. There's no other information about it. And um, it was really quite amazing, made a real impression on me. And just as the final frames were going through the camera, it caught on the light bulb, and it caught fire. Oh. Yeah. So um, 
We were not able to rescue the film or our security deposit for the house. Um, but um, I have uh, recorded it to the best of my memory um, because there's no way to know if this was really the last copy of this film, A Midsummer Night. Um, so I would be most pleased if you would imagine with me that you are in a velvet-seated bordello, the sound of women's voices and glasses clinking, and the ticking of the film projector, the only sounds, until the screen counts down from four to three to two to one, and the piano player begins to thunder out chords. In an ornate font, the words, a midsummer's night, appear, then fade again as cinematic curtains part. We're at a party. The piano plays a 1920s ragtime tune while lithesome young couples hop and twirl. A dark-haired man pulls his dancing partner close and whispers in her ear. She smiles up at him. Her earrings twinkle alluringly as she shakes her bobbed head no. They dance on, and as she completes a twirl, he pulls her arm to lead her off the dance floor. She resists. He takes her in his arms again as if to take another turn around the floor, but instead pushes her bodily off the dance floor and towards a darkened doorway. The piano sounds ascending ripples of alarm as a line of type appears. We'll have some privacy in here, my dear. The scene is now a luxurious boudoir in the modern style. Our heroine is embraced by her erstwhile lover, who kisses her with lips of iron as she struggles to escape. The piano plays ragtime softly, as if overheard through the wall. At last she escapes, and then there's a high, crashing chord as the man grabs her, slaps her, and throws her upon the bed. It appears our heroine has fainted. One arm, lusciously rounded and fair, lies stranded above her head. The other hangs helplessly off the bed, and her head hangs, too, also slightly off the bed and turned towards the camera. Her eyes are peacefully closed, even as her attacker begins to tear her dress in two. The piano slows as if the pianist, along with the audience, is now seduced despite himself by the creamy, perfect mounds revealed by this monstrous attack. The man upon the screen falls upon her revealed flesh, open-mouthed, pulling her small breasts completely free from the ribbons and lace that held them. Her breasts are perhaps a bit too amply endowed to be entirely fashionable for the times but no viewer can help wishing to protect their purity from the savage teeth and tongue now assailing them. Though the film is black and white, the bite marks he leaves on her enter our consciousness as livid red. Giving his victim a moment's respite, the fellow continues tearing off her filmy dress, exposing her milky gartered thighs. The film flickers and the piano speeds forward. Perhaps the man has employed a pocket knife because the lady is now completely bared to the camera. She continues to lay as if dead, but for the rise and fall of her chest, the villain spreads her legs and the camera records the virginal white folds of her womanhood. 
His pants are unbuttoned with amazing rapidity, freeing his beast-like, fully erect manhood. The piano gallops forward as he plunges into her. One of her legs over each of his arms, he intrudes upon her forcefully again and again. The audience can only give thanks that our heroine is unconscious of the brutality with which she is being taken. Just then, the door bursts open with a thrilling crash of trumpet-like tones. The man who enters has unruly hair and a strong chin. He brandishes a walking stick in his left hand, but then swiftly delivers a right hook to our villain's chin. The attacker is toppled from his penetration of the lovely heroine and lands on his rear, dripping member still erect. The rescuer kicks the fallen villain who attempts to crawl away. His way is blocked, however, by a new character. A light-hearted skipping tune begins, and the audience laughs as the camera reveals this new intruder. It is a person wearing a large donkey's head. <laughs> and equipped with an enormous donkey's phallus around his waist. <laughs> the, vi the villain attempts to back away, but the donkey follows. <laughs> the villain scrambles another foot backwards, and again the donkey steps forward. We can now see the rear of the donkey person, which is gloriously naked, aside from a long, hairy tail. Laughter rings out again as the audience recognizes the, our Midsummer's Night's Dream's bottom. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the center of the room, a heartwarming scene unfolds. The hero has woken the heroine and holds her in his arms. Are you all right, he seems to say. And she smiles up at him, apparently unharmed. He lifts her to sitting, and they laugh delightedly at the scene unfolding before them. Donkey and man are circling the room, the villain vainly attempting to run with his pants around his knees, while the donkey follows him, spanking him soundly with hand and the clearly unforgiving leather cock. With a gesture to her lover to stay seated, our restored and gloriously naked heroine rises from the bed, a length of discarded stocking in her hand. In an instant, she has leashed the stumbling villain and holds him helpless at her knees for the donkey's attack. A look of horror now appears upon the attacker's evil face as the donkey, signaling his intentions, presses his monstrous phallus against the villain's helpless ass. Our heroine tightens her grip as her attacker, eyes bulging, struggles ever harder to escape. The tip of the leather cock enters the villain's nether regions, and his mouth opens in what we must imagine is a full-throated yell of agony. The piano plays a mockingly jaunty tune. <laughs> the donkey now grips his object by the hips and begins thrusting into him. The heroine is free to release the leash, as the donkey has complete control. Every thrust drives the man forward, crawling ahead of his inescapable intruder. As heroine and hero watch with amusement, the villain is driven from the bedroom, one cruel, pistoning push at a time. <laughs> 
At last, the villain is entirely out the door, and the donkey raises his arms in triumph. The man and woman applaud from the bed. The donkey re-enters the room, and the man and woman stand in front of him. A rippling, swelling tone from the piano attends the moment when the grotesque head and cock are removed, revealing a gorgeous woman. Her long golden hair falls almost to her waist, and one wonders how such divine curves could have been concealed so easily by her earlier costume. Taking the hands of her companions, the queenly beauty leads them to the bed. There, the three entwine, kissing, fondling, and penetrating one another in combinations too elaborate to describe. And soon the cinematic curtain falls again. The audience applauds the pianist as the lights rise and we return to the workaday world of color and clothed restraint. Rosie Q can be found online at sayprettybird.blogspot.com. She specializes in fictional exploration of the erotic imagination. In her physical life, she's generally found taking care of her precocious five-year-old or challenging her husband at Scrabble. In her imaginary life, she's surfing a fantastic skyway of odd encounters. Her work has been published with Republica Press. Bedpist Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina of the I Want Your Sex podcast, Sadie Smythe of sadiesopenmarriage.com, Julie Gillis of juliegillis.com, and Rosie Q of sayprettybird.blogspot.com. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at bedpostconfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and on Twitter as Bedpost Confess, where we tweet past confessions from the audience. Chime in and add yours. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. All right, so these two confessions go together. Like you and me. <laughs> Just wait till you hear this, baby. <laughs> You have no idea. <laughs> I confess, I'm frustrated. My buttfuck girlfriend won't let me up her ass. I confess, I love my buttfuck boyfriend, but he ain't never getting that ass. Bless you both. <laughs> the titles are confusing. You would think maybe. <laughs> I think yes. <laughs> Should call him <laughs> something else. Talk to the person who hasn't had it in a while. Maybe you could work something out. <laughs> I saved this one for last. I feel like it's really the best of this bunch. I confess, the woman I came with says she has never really enjoyed sex. Tonight, that will change. Wow.